Here, here's, a, here's a question. Here's a weird question. I know most of my questions are weird, but this, is, this one is kind of Christian-y. It's kind of Christian-y. Um, uh, you know, there are, there are 66 books in the Bible. 25 of those books are either written by prophets or they are about prophets. Uh, prophets are the main or some of the main characters uh, of the book. So prophets are huge in the Bible, right? You know, like there's these figures in the Bible called prophets. Do you know what I'm talking about? Right, the famous prophets. Some of the famous ones are Elijah's one, Daniel's one. All right, you get you get the idea. Okay, here's my question to you, just to kind of get us in the mood this morning. What defines a prophet? That's P O R P H E T. Wise guys, because I know where you're going to go with this. What defines a prophet? Just think about that for eight seconds, then you're going to give me your brilliant answers. All over the Bible. All over the Bible. And I know some of you have actually read the Bible. So what defines a prophet? All right, go. Tell me. What defines? Speaking truth to power. Okay, that's interesting. He's got, such, he's got great answers. Because um, you can unpack that, right? You could, not just speaking truth, presumably godly truth, but to power. Because there are all these dramatic run-in stories with prophets in the Bible. So that's a great one. What else? Listening to what God wants to say and saying it, which sounds simple enough when Callie says it, doesn't it? Listening to what God wants to say and then saying that. Good. What else? They receive visions from the Lord. I like that. That's just like a simple, straightforward, descriptive answer. It's like God gives them information. They have all these visions. Some of these visions we get uh, portrayed in the Bible with great detail. Uh, some of them were awesome. If you give a prophet a cup of coffee, will you not receive a prophet's reward? <laughs> Quoting scripture. It's like scripture humor. It's like... It's like, it's, like, it's like humor, but not funny. Uh, yeah. What else? You guys, these are great answers. So prophets get visions from the Lord. What else? Courageous. They're courageous. Yeah. You say that because? Because they're often delivering unpopular messages. Because they're often, at least, delivering unpopular messages. Yeah. At least interesting messages. Yeah. Um, so it takes a little courage to say that. What else? Andrew, you got... Similarly, they are risk takers, right? It's not courage unto sit in the house and do nothing. It's, yeah, there's a lot of try uh, in the lives of the prophet. A lot of try. Uh, and if you're, not, if you're visiting Blue Water, uh, try is our definition for faith. Yeah, we say faith is trying. There's a lot of try in the life of the prophets. Those guys are doing stuff. Occasionally, those gals are doing stuff. Yeah. They tempt death, he says, with great enthusiasm, which worries me a little bit, Michael. They tempt death. They're the daredevils of the day. All right, one more answer. Who's got the, who's got the cool answer? One more. What, how do you define a prophet? Yeah. Um, God selected, well, in the Old Testament, God selected one person as his mouthpiece to typically Israel, but they He tried to flee death and then ended up with a brush with, with death. 
so that was interesting. Okay, they said is that God appoints them, right, selects them to deliver a message to a certain people oftentimes. We see that in the Old Testament. There were relatively few prophets in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, we're told that there's just going to be an abundance of them. All right, great. You guys kind of get the feel uh, for what a a prophet is, sort of this capital P prophet figure that we see uh, so often in Scripture. Do you see them today in the world? I mean, I'm talking about do you, like these really capital P prophet dudes or dudettes. Do you see them today? Anybody notice any? in the world today? Yes? No? Not sure where you're going with this? As usual. Um, I think probably we should expect to. So I'm doing this sermon series on, uh, it's called, There is a God and His Ways Are Smart, Um, which is not my most creative title ever. Um, But... um, I think, I think the church and, and believers have sort of taken a thrashing lately, and it's just really broken my heart to see what's happened in the world, the spiritual world, over the past three years. Um, you know, like church attendance in America has been like cut in half almost. Um, and I, I just know hundreds of people, like personally in my own sphere that no longer attend church, many of whom have been taken out of faith, because it's just been a rather deadly time, spiritually speaking. Now you think about that, and maybe some of the reasons for it are obvious. It's been a very tumultuous time in the world, generally, for everyone. I think there's been a real spirit of fear in the world, and and if you're a veteran, you know that fear is the exact opposite of faith. So if you buy into one, it's really hard to move in the other. Uh, and I think that when we should have been moving in faith, we were actually being taken out by fear a lot. We've spoken about that a bit in this sermon series. Uh, we're in this age in which um, well, there was a lot of judgment. There's a lot of accusation over the last three or four years. We, we actually invented new phrases for it, like cancel culture and, you know, and outrage culture. And before that, there was flaming and all these old terms about behavior and the internet and social media. Social media is a big factor in this culture of accusation and, and cancel. Um, so... It's been a heck of a season. Not only that, but the world has gone through a few changes, this sort of unprecedented pandemic that you may have heard of. Uh, It's created a lot of financial uh, drama, and some of that drama is just now starting to pick up momentum. If the season that we've been in is indeed a confusing season, if it has indeed been a dangerous season, then it seems that God would probably send prophets into it. Because in scripture, that's often when they show up. It's like, hey, everybody's getting confused and intimidated. Here's a prophetic message uh, from the Lord for you. And the question then, I've been thinking about this a lot because I think, well, I've been thinking about what has happened in the world recently a lot. And I've just been grieving and mourning uh, what I have seen uh, in terms of outcomes among uh, the people of faith. And it's just got me thinking, would you recognize a prophetic voice if it showed up, right? If a prophet sort of materialized on earth in the mold of the capital P prophets of old, and it was an interesting mold, not always what you think 
would you be able to recognize uh, that person? Uh, so today I just want to talk a little bit uh, about, uh, you know, s speaking truth uh, in a culture that I think increasingly edits and filters the way that truth can get spoken. And I think that's a fairly non-controversial statement, right? I mean, do we all kind of agree on that? It's harder to speak freely today than it was four years ago, five years ago. Do we all kind of agree on that? There are all these documentaries on Netflix about it, um, in case you want to study up some having to do with social media, some having to do with uh, medical facts, some having to do with politics and stuff like that. It's just, it's become dicier and dicier. And so people who speak truth powerfully are becoming more and more interesting to me, right? Because they need to be more and more creative uh, about it, you know. Uh, watch that documentary, Social Network. It's not bad. It's a little bit skewed, I think. But um, news media. Do you think it has become more or less biased? <laughs> yep. Yes. yes. <laughs> enough. Enough said. You know. You get to select the kind of truth that you listen to in life. You get to select it. There are channels for your truth. <laughs> You get to choose your favorite one uh, until the prophet shows up. <laughs> and, then it's, and then it's different. I think we see the same thing in education. I think truth is getting more and more filtered there. There are things you're not allowed to discuss. Uh, and of course, politics. Well, okay. When has truth ever been super honored in politics? And I think probably less so today than certainly in my lifetime. Do you guys know this kid, uh, Oliver Anthony? Have you been, you've been following this? Um, so he was sort of this musical sensation who just sort of burst out on YouTube uh, about three months ago. And uh, I was a little slow on the uptake. But he was a guy who lived in the woods of Virginia in, a, in an old beat-up trailer with three dogs. Uh, he's an alcoholic and a new Christian. And of course, help keep himself sane, he would record songs that he would write, original songs that he would play on a steel guitar, and um, uh, Dobro, and, um, and record them on his cell phone and then upload them, you know, and he was doing very, very well. He had like six followers. <laughs> and then he wrote this song called Rich Men North of Richmond, which if, if you live in that area of the world, north of Richmond is Washington, D.C. Um, so basically, he's, he's complaining. The song is sort of complaining about rich men in Washington, D.C. who, let's just say, aren't doing their job at all. And, and, and it's, sort of a, it's sort of a plaintive song about the plight of the working class, that sort of thing. And he wrote this song, and like overnight, like by the end of the week at least, he had 12 million views. Now the song, this, there's like a hundred different versions of it out there on YouTube now. Each of them have millions of views. I think the big one has like 91 million views or something. He became a sensation. He was invited on Joe Rogan, who's like the biggest podcast in the world. And this is just some very fragile new Christian living in a trailer in the woods of Virginia with dogs, you know. And uh, it, just, it just struck a chord with people. And so, uh, you know, it was on my feed. And so I listened to it uh, one evening. And we get about 90 seconds into the song. And I start praying for the kid. Just, 
spontaneously from my spirit, oh God, protect your prophets. Right? I just discovered that. Now, obviously, like, he's not a very mature Christian at this point. Right? He's very honest about his struggle with addiction, but he's found Jesus, and he thinks that's the way. And he's sort of putting out his message, and it has spread around the globe pretty much overnight. It's like, that's miraculous. And I wonder if people are seeing it. And he became so popular that these huge country music labels offered him record contracts. And he has nothing, right? He like, worked part-time in a warehouse. Uh, he has nothing. And he turned down an $8 million contract because he felt like God wouldn't want him to do it. That might make him struggle with truth. And maybe he wouldn't be able to sing what he wanted to sing. You know, stuff like that. I'm like, I'm praying for this guy. You know, I hope, I hope to God uh, that he makes it. Now, is he a prophet? Is he like a capital P prophet? Well, I don't know. Like, like I say, he might not even be a very mature Christian yet. But there's something in it, even though it seems inappropriate and wrong, that like his voice should go global overnight. I'm suspicious. I smell the aroma of the Holy Spirit in it. And so I'm praying for the kid. Years ago, um, I struggled really badly with uh, asthma and allergies. It just really devastated my childhood. Um, I got older, I got a little better, but about once a year I would be knocked down and I'd have to spend a couple weeks in bed into my 20s. Uh, Sony and I were recording a record album with this guy named Chip, Chip Altholz. Not a believer, but a very spiritual guy, and we got into a relationship with him through interesting ways, and he was producing our album for us. Uh, and we had loads and loads of spiritual discussions. And then one day, out of the blue, as I was uh, struggling with some allergies one afternoon, Chip said, I do not think it will be much longer that you will need these allergies. And when he said that, I felt revelation in it. Uh, and from a guy who wasn't even following Jesus, really. Uh, and I just, I just felt power in it. I said, thanks. Have not had an allergy attack since that moment. Um, here's my point: you learn to recognize revelation, right? Even a even a guy like me <laughs> can learn to recognize it when you find it, even if when you find it, it comes from an unusual source, a little bit inappropriate. How do you develop that sense? so that you, oh, that's revelation. How do you develop the revelatory sense, uh, so to speak? Not sure I have the end all and be all of answers to that question, but it's what I want to talk about this morning uh, because it is the way of God and his ways are smart. Right? God's people should have the ability, the sense to sniff out truth uh, revelation uh, when it comes. Uh, and uh, so, you know, what goes into that? We should be sensing it uh, fairly frequently. Um, <clears throat> again, the Bible just filled with scriptures from prophets, about prophets, and about prophecy. Uh, one of the most impressive for my money comes from the book of Amos. Amos was a prophet in the Bible, he's called a minor prophet. Uh, in the Bible. Uh, the minor prophets in the Bible are not called minor prophets because they are unimportant. They're called minor prophets because their books are shorter than the other prophetic books, which are longer, major. Everybody understand? So Amos is a minor prophet. Uh, he was uh, basically a 
basically a farmer. Um, but the Lord uh, raised him up. And he spe- his book is beautiful. Uh, if you want, uh, want to read it, it's not very long. Uh, seven chapters, I think. Um, beautiful book, largely about justice, uh, which is a subject near and dear to my heart. Ah, who gave me this cup of coffee? In Amos 3, God is talking to uh, his prophet uh, about prophecy. He says, uh, picking it up in verse 2, You only have I chosen of all the families of the earth, therefore I will punish you for all of your sins. He's talking to Israel, so it starts really ominously. Um, and, uh, and he's trying to get Israel to listen to the revelation that is coming. Uh, and then in verse 7, he says, Surely the sovereign Lord does nothing without revealing his plan to his servants, the prophets. The lion has roared, who will not fear? The sovereign Lord has spoken, who can but prophesy? The idea is that if the Lord is speaking, and he is, he's always speaking, then there will always be prophets. There will always be prophesying. Do you think this is true? The Lord does nothing without revealing his plans to his servants, the prophets? Like, whatever he's doing in the world, people are telling us what it is. People are telling us what it is. And so that, I don't, that, that interests me. Um, and there are many verses like that in Scripture. Uh, one that a lot of uh, uh, evangelical Christians, even though today is from Ephesians 4, the Lord has appointed, first of all, I thought people would know this verse, apostles, second, prophets, third, evangelists, uh, then pastors, then teachers. Some people call it the fivefold ministry. But this is Paul sort of explaining to new churches. It's like, you can expect prophets to show up whenever something gets started. You know, the apostles' job was to kick off, uh, to build, to plant. And then prophets were supposed to come in and guide every community of believers and sort of reveal what the Lord's plan was in that place and time. They're plentiful, they're busy, there are whole essays about how to manage prophecy in the church today. In 1 Corinthians 14, there's a famous one where Paul talks about not just a prophet in your church, but how teams of prophets can work together. He says that prophecy is for the strengthening, comfort, and edification of the church. You have a lot to do. Uh, If you're a prophet, um, prophets uh, tend to be uh, very busy. Um, uh, Prophets are often disrespected in their day. Some of your answers uh, reflected that. Jesus himself said to the Pharisees, um, it's like, you build tombs for the prophets. In other words, you honor the prophets, uh, but your ancestors are the ones who killed them. (laughs) That was one of the insults that he directed. Uh, at the Pharisees, John the Baptist, Jesus called the greatest man of his day. Uh, He was a prophet that was prophesied about 500 years earlier. The voice of one calling in the wilderness, straighten up, (laughs) straighten up, make make straight the ways uh, of the Lord. Of course, John the Baptist got killed. Uh, Perhaps the greatest prophet of his age was, I don't know, Jesus. Um, He got killed as well. As a lot of people didn't like uh, what he was saying, Jesus says that a prophet in his hometown is without honor. That sometimes we don't recognize prophets because we just don't think highly of them. We know that they're human, so they couldn't possibly be revelatory. It's easy to criticize them if you grew up with them. 
or if you know too much about them generally. And thanks to the internet, we know too much about everybody. Um, uh, he says, uh, you should be aware of false prophets, that a lot of people will say they're speaking from God, but they aren't, and you need to be able to sniff that out. Um, he says, you will know a tree by its fruit, uh, that you need to test what you hear over time. It's like, well, if that's revelatory, it should work out. Uh, if it's a lie, then eventually it will produce uh, disaster. Um, there is something that you need to know about the world today, and you can assume that God is speaking to you about it. The only question is, uh, will you hear it? My favorite um, passage about maturing as a prophet, I'll just throw this in for for fun, comes from Jeremiah chapter 1. I studied this a lot when I was younger and sort of getting the hang of listening to the Holy Spirit in real time. Uh, when Jeremiah was called to be a prophet, somebody said God appoints prophets, he was called to be a prophet to his country in a very tumultuous time. Um, and, but when he was called, he was just a kid. He was, he was just in the youth group. Uh, he was probably around 13 or so, uh, people think. Uh, and Jeremiah catalogs his whole life with the Lord. He kind of writes it down as a diary, and that's a lot of the book of Jeremiah, which is actually quite a long book. The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. How's that for a calling? Ah, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know... How how to speak, I am only a child. You've got the wrong fellow. But the Lord said to me, do not say I'm only a child. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them. A lot of our answers. Like, if you're going to speak truth or truth to power, truth to anyone, you actually have to be pretty courageous. Do not be afraid of them just because you're a punk kid. You don't get to be afraid. For I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, Now I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, and to build and to plant as well. Heck of a thing to speak words that carry national threat level. A heck of a thing to speak words uh, that could plant nations, that could plant communities, that could begin whole new tribes uh, in, in, in the world. And a heck of a thing to be able to do that at age 13. But that's the nature of revelation. It comes as it comes. It comes from whom it comes. There is always a strong relationship between truth and courage in Scripture. Uh, and the more slanted culture gets against truth, the more courageous you'll have to be in order to develop facility with truth. And there are so many passages like this, many of which you already know. Why do people hate prophets? Why do they get killed and roughed up so often in Scripture? Why is it that God needs to teach them to not be afraid? What's your answer? Because the message is unpopular. Is it always unpopular? The most prophesied event in Scripture was the birth of the Messiah. That was 
that wasn't unpopular, well, until it happened, but, uh, <laughs> but I didn't start that way. You know, and there are lots of prophecies in Scripture about, you know, eternity coming and really good things and, and whatnot. So, often unpopular, often unpopular, uh, but often popular and welcome. Here's the thing about truth, and I think this is just a nugget of reality that probably the world needs to hear uh, today. The truth speaker won't necessarily only say things you agree with. Right? The truth speaker will just say what's true. Uh, you may agree with it uh, or not. And so the culture that contends against prophecy is actually the one that edits truth and filters truth, which is why I get so worried today about the prophetic voice of, of God in, in the world. Um, like because we channel surf until we get the truth we want. Right? That's kind of what we do. I mean, it's the best way to get ratings. So all the media services specialize in telling you what you want to hear. Right? And that's what they do. They're not so much journalists as they are lawyers. They just kind of defend a position. Um, uh, nothing wrong with lawyers, but when they masquerade as journalists, then you've got trouble. Um, and, of course, that's just news media. Um, social media works along the same lines, right? They feed you videos and shorts that they know you'll like so that you will keep watching. Uh, and therefore, you never get any education, right? You just kind of get affirmation. And there's a big difference between education and affirmation. Uh, and so, you know, Isaiah was told by God, Isaiah was called the Prince of Prophets, uh, the most powerful prophet of the Bible, according to uh, many. He, when he was called, he was told by God, go speak to a people who will not listen to you. Throughout your prophetic career, nobody's going to listen to what you say. And yet he gave super accurate prophecies, uh, many of them uh, about Christ. He also had to walk around naked for a year. Yeah, the Bible's an interesting book, people. You should probably read that. Uh, you know, John the Baptist was the prophetic voice of his season. He kicked off a revival and then got executed. Um, so it depends, right, who's doing the editing and who's doing the... Okay, here's the deal. Enough of that meditation on prophecy and prophets. Here's the deal. Today, people are very nervous about what's being said. Everybody's just nervous about it. Right? You have to think harder than you've ever had to think about the words that come out of your mouth in public or in your emails or your texts or anything like that. Right? You have to think very hard about it. Truth has become a very nerve-wracking thing uh, in, in the world. That's the spirit. You have to think. When somebody says something that challenges you, you have to think, what if it's true? What if it's not true? What effect will it have? And you know what you don't think about? whether it's true, you know? You're just thinking about what impact uh, it will have. Uh, and there is a, a big impulse in the world coaching you to make sure that you only hear what you want to hear, right? I mean, we have all felt that. And if people disagree with you, they don't disagree with you, they're evil, right? cancel culture and stuff like that. We now get to moralize disagreement in a super profound way. Uh, you are being schooled constantly, not in what is true, you are being schooled constantly in what is allowable to say. 
which is an entirely different thing. And we've all felt it. We've all felt it. Even I have felt it, and I am I'm an honorary fellow. Uh, it is profound. Um, you will be an extraordinarily powerful person if you learn to say what you should anyway. You will be an extraordinarily powerful person. Uh, prophets don't flinch. Prophets don't flinch. And if you're interested in locating prophets today and finding voices that you can trust, I, here's a clue. There's one thing I would say. Look for people who speak without flinching. Right? Uh, there are other qualifiers, right? Because you can lie through your teeth without flinching, right? You could be really, really good at that. But, you know, so sincerity is in there somewhere. It's like, well, I, you know, that person believes that and they're not flinching. And I don't know, maybe I should think about it. Um, but but I, when I see that in the world today, my heart swells. I really like it. That person is saying what he or she thinks, truly, and is not blinking. You know how rare that is these days? Do you know how rare that is? You know how incredibly godly that is? That's so godly. Um, and the spirit of prophecy is a fearless thing. Um, how can you tell when a prophet's speaking? Well, you know, they speak without flinching. But here's another thing I want to recommend. This would be like tip number two, I guess. When you listen, you have to listen with courage too. Listen with courage. You know, be willing to sort of set aside fear and just listen to what is being said. Maybe it seems bad to you. you know, maybe it seems better than you could hope. And that is kind of threatening to you. Um, but you have to as prophets need to be willing to speak with courage, those who respect prophets need to be willing to hear with courage. And I think this is a decreasingly, an increasingly lost art. Um, you'll be better at listening with courage if you've developed your own truth habit. What I mean by that is if you discipline yourself in, in truth-keeping, it sounds like a really simple and simplistic piece of advice uh, to Christians, but I will say it anyway. Don't say things that you know aren't true. Isn't that really simplistic, right? Nobody should have to say that to spiritual people. But I just, I don't know, I just kind of feel that I need to say it. Just don't say things that you know aren't true. And the reason I feel like I need to say it is because there's so much pressure to just go along, to pretend that you don't know it's false. So much pressure. And it comes at you in so many new ways. It comes at you in ways that have never existed before on planet Earth. All this pressure to just, I don't know, man, just kind of go, I mean, like, I, I, maybe you do believe it, okay? So just say it. Like, no, 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 no. Don't do that. It diminishes you. And it weakens you such that you can no longer hear revelation when it comes. You no longer sense the revelation when somebody speaks it to you, right? You want to be at the point where I was, hopefully I still am, when even like this screwy non-believer could speak something revelatory to you and you'd be like, that is so true and powerful. 
my life shall now be changed. Right? That's the attitude that you want to be in. You want to have such a passion and such an ability with truth that no matter where it comes from, you're like, yes, I honor that. Nothing in the world encourages you to be like that today. <laughs> Nothing, right? The world disciples you to say, well, maybe. I don't know, maybe I have to think about that, right? Which is, which is the different spirit. Uh, and so I'm, you know, I just want to, I just want to remind you, blessed brothers and sisters, just never say something uh, that you actually know is not true, and, and, and don't pretend. Uh, be mindful of the way that you speak. Speak truly, and practice this. You know, restore value for truth because it has always been the way of the people of God, and because the world needs us to be the people of God, right? The world needs us to, I don't know, seek the truth of Scripture. You know, just kind of honor that. It's like, wow, you know, we talked about the Bible uh, in a sermon recently. Like, this is a really good book. You know what? I'm going to know what it says. And I'm going to understand why it says it. That's truth practice right there. You know, that's a form of truth habit right there, right? Don't just kind of brush it away like the world wants you to do. That's what I'm saying. But I already spoke uh, that sermon. Um, pursue the truth about you. Um, you know, sometimes we call that sanctification, use the big Christian-y word. Like, I don't know, maybe you're better than you think, and maybe God would like to speak into that. Maybe you have sins that you're refusing to look at. Maybe the Lord would like to, uh, you know, speak to you about that. So there's a truth about you that we need to cultivate. We need to cultivate. There's a lot in the world right now that is trying to keep you from doing that, um, giving you, you know, false identities instead of biblical identity, which is you are a child, you are growing, you have no idea what you're going to become in the future except that you're going to look a little bit like your heavenly father. Um, so don't try to overdefine yourself. Just grow according to Jesus. I've preached sermons on, on that before. These are all examples of the practice of truth in life. And if we as Christians develop the practice of truth in life, then when we hear prophecy, we'll be like, that feels like truth. Because I know it. Because I know it. That feels like a fact I can trust. Why? Well, because I'm a specialist at recognizing things I can trust. The facts that, that, that I can trust. Maybe uh, the most famous statement of truth in all the Bible is the phrase, the truth shall set you free. Right? Uh, and uh, so I just, wanna, I just wanted to say that today, and I just want to end with that. It's not something that any of us should be anxious about, truth. You know, It's not something that uh, should make us uh, cautious, speaking truth, hearing truth, acting on truth, figuring it out as you go, because nobody knows everything, but valuing that journey, the truth shall set you uh, free. Um, so what I want to uh, do today is bless you uh, for being truthful people. Um, because I think uh, in the world it is often an act of courage. Uh, to be a, a person of truth. And, you know, sometimes I complain a lot about um, 
where we're headed in, in our society, our culture. There's a lot of things that have happened over the past three or four years that I feel are just very negative and deadly. But just to underscore, we're still in one of the best places in human history uh, when it comes to you know, having the freedom to pursue truth and experiencing uh, the beauty and the power of truth setting us free. And so as beleaguered as we feel, we're also in a very privileged position. And then Christians in our society are in a more privileged position still. Because you are people of faith, right? Because you are people who have grown up with stories about prophets and prophecies and truth-telling and, and truth-keeping. Uh, you are such powerful, extraordinary people. And I just love that. I just love that so much. Don't lose faith in it. Keep your eyes and ears open for prophetic voices. They are all over the place. You might even find a few of them in this church. Let's pray. Oh, Father God, I pray that you would raise up a culture of truth in our midst, and I pray that you would honor your children, your sons and your daughters, for their truth-keeping and their pursuit of truth in the world today. I pray, Holy Spirit, uh, that you would come and reveal godly truth to everyone this morning. You know, that was the first thing Jesus ever said about the Holy Spirit to his disciples. He said, the spirit of truth will come, will remind you of things that I have taught you. And I pray, Father, that your spirit of truth would come this morning and minister to hearts and minds that have been roughed up a little bit, that have maybe become a little bit afraid of just hearing and speaking with the great freedom that is our right in Christ. Minister, Lord. Minister, Lord. Don't say things you know aren't true. hear and speak with the freedom and grace and ease that comes with following Jesus. And I pray, Lord, uh, that you would honor us with um, prophets and prophecy in this church, that we would never be without revelation or guidance. Uh, Indeed, correction, strengthening, comfort, edification in this place. Uh, I pray, Lord, that as you are a chatty God, you would be very talkative amongst us. Yeah. Uh, As we have apostles and shepherds and teachers and evangelists, Lord, I pray uh, that we would be healthy and have plenty of prophets too. Help us be a light in the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.